This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. In a quiet bakery, one woman is about to confront her past. We gotta fight back. An unforgivable act of violence. It also says here that after they fried him in the chair, they cremated him and sent his ashes to his mother in Coonsboro. Something else is just like a back porch, too. Hmm. Must be that gingerbread season. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, heck! Holy curse. What is that fucking? I think I know what. I mean, who it is. It's me, Raptor! Why'd you come and get me? A new kind of cookie. What the hell is that? Well, it sure ain't the Pillsbury fucking dope boy. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's Howling at the Full Moon. It's been a hot minute since we recorded an episode of this, and I've been really looking forward to this one. And I know my co-host, as always, Dustin Hubbard, has been looking forward to this one as well. We're heading off to the bakery for a little late-night snack, and we are covering 2005's The Ginger Dead Man. And... Uh, 
I, I don't know about you, Dustin, but this is <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say one of my favorite full moon movies, but I think it's one of the most like notorious full moon movies, at least one of the most notorious full moon caricatures or char- characters. Yes, I think that um, it's important that we do this one because it's uh, it's one of the last first installments of one of the major franchises in full moon that we haven't touched upon yet with the exception of maybe witch house but um i will agree that ginger dead man is probably one of the most notorious uh characters in the full moon (laughs) (laughs) road gallery of bad guys that were like right down there with like eb yeah yeah i mean I mean, he's no ginger weed man, but you know, but that's that's, that's another story for another time. But uh, you know, I had actually, you know, when I first saw this, I I wouldn't say I had fallen out of love with Full Moon, but I had just fallen out of sync with them for a few years. And you know, a few years I got caught up in just working for a living, you know, and just uh, life kind of took over. You know how it is. Sometimes life just, you know, life is what happens while you're making plans for it. And yep. Ginger Dead Man was a return for me was just like i saw it on the video shelf and i'm like oh my god this is full moon i need to see this and had had a killer cookie on the cover it had gary Busey. it was directed by charles band you know 2005 me was was all in i i dove in head first and you know some of the later sequels and you know the uh what do you want to call it the, the the crossover movie with the evil bong series it just became more and more crazy and more and more obscene, <laughs> I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But it, it is part of what um, Charles Band and Full Moon does best. They make killers out of little things, little puppets, little creatures, and now a little gingerbread man cookie. And before we get too deep into it, let me give you the folks listening at home the quick imdb synopsis and then we'll start tearing into this like a like a batch of gingerbread all right ginger dead man 2005 is as follows an evil but yet adorable gingerbread man comes to life with the soul of a convicted killer this real life cookie monster wreaks havoc on the girl who sent the killer to the electric chair and as you could tell by my delivery on that i almost laughed out loud twice because <laughs> an evil yet adorable gingerbread da- bread man real life cookie monster i mean they're pulling out all the puns they're pulling out every like, as we said off the air here earlier as you said off the air uh you're breaking out every bait bakery pun that they could possibly fucking muster totally. this movie. I don't I don't know if adorable would be the adjective I would use to describe him <laughs> though, and I'm not sure if it's necessarily uh legally <laughs> uh appropriate for them to use the term cookie monster, but but they did it. They did it. When when has Full Moon ever given a shit about stuff like that? Never. And god damn it, I love him for it. But this one is directed by Band himself, uh, written by, if you look on the the actual DVD, it says, says Sylvia St. Croix, but we do know that that is an alias for William Butler. Correct. <laughs> and Dominic Muir. Uh, it, of course, as we've already mentioned, starring uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> Dominic Muir, who I believe is billed also as August White. Yeah, he, uh, yes, he was. 
stage names as 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 uh, writers. So neither one actually took proper credit. Now, I did find out a bit of trivia about this, and maybe you know a little bit more about it than I do, but that this started production in 2001 before they actually got completed in 2005. So was it this something that was like in development hell, or is it just one of those movies that kind of, you know, just took forever to get started? There was, I don't know how much was actually shot, but there were, there was back in the day they did actually shoot much like the infamous Bride of the Head of the Family uh, trailer that was shot. They did actually shoot a trailer for the Ginger Dead Man uh, back in the day, probably around that time, around 01-ish. It was on a lot of the VHS releases at the time, and it featured a very different version of the ginger dead man he was a fully cg rendered version with very sharp almost like bear trap looking teeth he looked like a very angry pillsbury doughboy with like <laughs> a hat and a chainsaw and i believe he even kind of chomped on a cigar and it, the tra- the trailer if you can find it online i'm sure it's online somewhere is actually very funny because it's got very colorful lettering and you know you look at the sky and it says you know full moon presents and it kind of pans down to a children's birthday party and all the kids are like cheering and you know there's balloons and stuff and then the ginger dead man blasts out of the cake and you know cake splatters everywhere and he revs the chainsaw um i think we missed out not seeing a ginger dead man with a chainsaw i feel like i missed out on something it, it was a concept that was i believe originally um William Butler's concept. And I feel like at one point he was going to actually be the one to direct it, but it, that whole version of it never uh, went forward or got completed. And then uh, after full moon was, there was a period where they were called shadow entertainment and things kind of were going in a different direction. Um, There were, there was some different brass, in in the driver's seat at the time and when everything fully went back into charlie's control uh everything was sort of rechristened full moon home video you know full moon home entertainment home video for the dvd brand and uh this was the third release they had after the rebranding which which i would consider like basically the birth of the third era of full moon (laughs) so you had the paramount era you had the full moon home video era and then you had this which is kind of like the full moon dvd era which started with decadent evil one then doll graveyard and then ginger dead man so but i feel like like ginger dead man is a return to true form for full moon now it's not in ways it is yes you know because like i said before i'm just reiterating the same thing but it's it's the return to form of making killers out of small things. And I love that. I mean, I love demonic toys and puppet master and ginger dead man for, for better, for worse falls right into that category. And, and it gives us the debut of the lovely Robin Sydney, which I love seeing her in anything. She just brings an energy that is just unparalleled in full moon. And, but I love her as uh, Sarah Lee. I mean, that's something else I, I'm going to have to make a comment on here right now. 
the, they kind of beat you over the head with these names in this movie. We got an Amos Cadbury, famous <laughs> cookie and chocolate company. We've got Sarah Lee, although spelt a little bit different. We have a character named Jimmy Dean. Mm-hmm. We got, <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the names of these, even, even, you know, Brick Fields, Mrs. Fields. I mean, all these names are all done off of various cookies and baking and foodstuffs. It's funny. Lorna Dean, isn't there a cookie that's called like Lorna Dune or something like that? I think so. I, I definitely think so. Yeah, it's it's definitely like there's a, a direct attention to <laughs> detail as far as all of the character names. The only one that's almost not a, a direct, you know, like cooked goods reference is Millard Findelmeyer. Yeah, I actually did a little searching on that to find out if there was like a foodstuffs that came out, like mm-hmm. maybe it was more obscure. There's nothing. If there is, I didn't find it. But yeah, I was like, they just, I, really, they just needed a really weird name for Gary Busey to be named as a human. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, they use the term starring Gary Busey very loosely in this. He's in it for five minutes, maybe yeah. six minutes. And even when he is doing the voice of Millard uh, Findelmeyer or the, the ginger dead man, half the time it's not him doing the voice. It's very painfully obvious that he did about. 75% of the voice and the other portion, I'm, I think you told me this once before, wasn't it John Carl uh, Beekler that did the voices uh, or the Beekler. additional voiceover? He has done it in the past. I know Beekler was actually uh, Genji's voice in the first Evil Bong film. And then I believe come part two, it was, I believe, John Volich. Uh, okay. Artist John Volich. And then in part three, it's literally, I think, Billy. Right. But John Carl also also did uh, some of the effects and some of the, the uh, puppetry in this one. So it's got some John Carl Beekler effects, which are, you know, the man was and not, I shouldn't say was, he is still a legend. And, you know, again, you know, like uh, he was he's he's sorely missed, you know, never, never forgotten. I love that man. But anyway, let's dive into the movie here with the opening at the Cadillac Jack's Diner. Uh, <laughs> I want to know one thing. I like it's kind of a cold open. We just open straight into the diner. <laughs> yeah, Millard, there's, there's no setup whatsoever. He's already just there, like right in the middle of it. Yeah, there's all you know. It's an exterior shot. We hear a scream, a gunshot. Somebody's face down, dead on the counter. He's just, uh, I guess, we're supposed to be believe he's robbing the place or just going on a killing spree. But Gary Busey is just being. <sighs> He's being Gary Busey. He, he's uh, I, I doubt that there was a whole lot of the script that he followed because it's, it didn't seem like he was following any kind of lead whatsoever. I feel like they just turned the camera on Gary and just said, do your best. <laughs> well, I know, you know, if you ever hear Charlie talk about working with Gary or even Robin working with Gary uh, or, you know, read in his autobiography, there's. Yeah, there's stories about Gary from this shoot. So <laughs> well, I, I remember one specific story that Charlie told at a convention that I was where I was uh, preview to a Q&A that he did. And all I'll say is, show me the bush. <laughs> and I've, I've heard that story once from Charlie. I've heard it at least several times because I've heard it in 
you know, in, in an interview a couple of times, but I heard that story live, but we won't get into that now because that's a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother uh, thing. But, you know, I mean, Gary is the quote unquote face of this film and in the face of Millard Findemeyer, he's, you know, although it would be his only franchise official appearance and, uh, you know, he wouldn't do any of the voices, you know, later on, except for like in some flashback footage, they might show a little bit of him, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. But I want to know one thing, like, why did, why did the dad or the grandpa have a switchblade on him and why did he bring a knife to a gunfight? Because <laughs> it's they, like you know they're all cowering underneath the table. Him, uh, Robin Sydney, and her brother—they're all hiding under the table. And he just decides to pull out a a, a switchblade and like I'm going to kill this son of a bitch. The, the guy's got a gun. What are you going to do? It's just the classic bringing a knife to a gunfight. Why? And why did he have it? It's weird because I'm assuming Gary's in there like robbing the place, right? Yeah. So. What happened when he arrived and came in? I mean, I'm sure he didn't just charge straight through the door with his gun pointed. You know what I mean? Like, how did he not know they were there? I don't I don't understand that. I mean, I feel like he would have seen them there when he just entered. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, they were it, just there inside the front door. They weren't like hiding off in the corner or anything. <laughs> The yeah, logistics I, just didn't make sense to, to me, but setup was very weird. And it, it, the fact that it literally just sort of like opens right in the middle of that little, you know, quote unquote, siege at <laughs> Cadillac Jacks, classic film location, mind you. But uh, yeah, um, great location, great diner, just an odd, odd way to open the movie. Yeah, it just seems very uh, abrupt. Yeah, but uh you know, I, 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 and a lot of Gary's dialogue or Miller's dialogue is very, it's, it kind of flip-flops. You know, for one second, he, you know, when the the brother, I think is the, the James Snyder plays Jeremy, you know, he gets up and, you know, doesn't seem at all, like, hurt by the fact that he just saw his father get shot <laughs> in yeah, front that, of him. Yeah. He seems very calm about it. You know, he's just like, please put your gun down, sir put your gun down and he just keeps repeating it. And Gary goes from shut up to two seconds later going, now say it again, but mean it. I'm like, wait a minute. You're sending out mixed signals here, Gary. (laughs) It's weird to me because it's like, she has the most brazenly brave and stupid family humanly possible because it's like, why are you approaching this psychopath with a fucking gun and telling him what to do? Like, who do you think you are <laughs> and why are you, I, I will never understand people who challenge violently dangerous criminals and don't back down because typically, and I, and I used to work for a major corporation where I used to have to twice a year, I would teach a safety and security seminar and, you know, we would discuss robberies or, you know, if an, altercation violent type scenarios came up you do not instigate people you don't back talk don't make eye contact you know like let them do their thing they will def- you know, they will eventually defuse they'll get what they want and if all goes well they will leave if you challenge them they will kill you <laughs> like and that's but, exactly what happens too 
understand the dad getting out and coming at him and then he gets killed and then the brother's like out and like telling him to put the gun down and he's clearly not gonna listen and he just keeps telling him to put the gun down it's like well you got you got what was coming because you can't listen to what the psychopath with a gun is trying to tell you like he's already killed you know a couple other innocent people he's killed your father you know how about you just take a step back right yeah, just chill out and like let him do his thing, and when he's got what he wants, he'll leave, and you'll all be alive. But no, the movie no, can't. It doesn't. So, brother Jeremy doesn't last long. I love it. I love it when Gary puts the gun on the counter. He's like, "Go for it." Yeah, it's right there in front of you. And then what does he do? He goes for it and gets stabbed in the back. Ah, oh, it's just craziness. And then. We get to talk about mother. Now, you, you get the the idea, at least I did from Miller, that he's a little bit of a, a mama's boy. Because he's always like, I got to do what my mama's always taught me. And that's finish what I started. And he's like, he's having this internal dialogue. I, I thought it was a le- neat little touch, at least, you know, when we get the, the human ginger dead man, the human Gary. <laughs> the human Gary. <laughs> as human as Gary can be. As, as human as Gary Busey can be right now. But, you know, he has that little internal dialogue and he's like, you know, I'm not going to kill you, but I got to finish what, what I started. So he shoots. He shoots Sarah, you know, or, or, uh, or Robin Sidney. You know, he shoots her. You don't see where he shoots her. So, you know, we do figure out, you know, within minutes after the opening credit sequence is over that, you know, she lived from her shot. So when, like he, he shot her, he wounded her, although we never get any kind of reference to how she survived or, you know, but it's not important, I guess. Yeah, it's not. Then we get a nice little uh, baked good opening credit sequence of promising the things to come with our uh, our ginger dead man. And we get the next scene is Robin Sidney operating what I have to say is probably the skeeziest looking bakery bakery ever committed to celluloid. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I, I would not want to eat a cookie that was made in this place. Not, not, not at all. <laughs> but then we get a little. Very dirty. <laughs> yeah. Very dirty, very skeezy, very nasty. I mean, she's, uh, you know, the, the Sarah character is a very nice lady and very, very sweet. And, you know, but she, she's running a, 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 a slop house. <laughs> And then we get a little newspaper montage with an ominous voiceover of Gary, you know, or I keep saying Gary, but it's, you know, Miller, the Miller character, saying from his deathbed or from his, from prison uh, that he's going to get her, he's going to come back, you know, and he's going to, if it's the last thing he ever do, if he ever, ever does, he's going to kill her. And somebody leaves a uh, box of gingerbread cookie mix at the, the back door. And it's just like, it, 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 I've worked in the food industry. Deliveries usually aren't made like this. I'm just saying, just saying deliveries aren't usually made like this. Our ominous character that is supposed to be Miller's mother, although we never really see her. We just see her, uh, somebody in a black cloak kind of scurrying around the corner and that's it. Yeah, we never see her. And just for the record, for like a long scope of things too, we've never see her ever in, <laughs> in the course of the entire franchise. She's such an important character to him. 
that he's always worried about like, you know, what she would, what she would think and trying to live by her, by her words. He always reminded yeah. me, he always reminded me a bit of a Tiffany Valentine in that respect in that he's very much like respects his mother and, you know, her, her approach to life and, you know, her sayings, but uh, as important as she is to him, she's never really utilized beyond sneaking around that corner in the opening of this movie. Right. Right. She's never mentioned as being dead or alive or anything after this movie. Yeah. I mean, as, as, as many sequels as there was in spinoffs and crossovers, she's never mentioned again. You know, nope. she was supposed to be such an important, you know, like he, you know, pretty much lived to serve his mother and live by her, her word or her coda, so to speak. But yeah, yeah, it just it's it seemed like an odd aesthetic to never have her return, but it is what it is. And then if we get which is I have to say my favorite character because he's so over the top is John, <laughs> Jonathan Chase's brick, the wrestling enthusiast, the butcher baker. Like he no, is I, so he's just such a weird character. I I, I fucking love it though. I, I have to admit, you know, I <laughs> But when he gets he gets cut he gets when he gets cut uh, opening the box of the gingerbread mix, and the first thing he does is push position his bleeding hand and his bleeding arm over the mixing bowl so that the blood bleed can strategically bleed all over the gingerbread. <laughs> You're right. It's like okay, I'm like, I guess this is what we're doing now, and they still use it because less. Yeah, and then that's she like, still cooks it. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, still uses it. Totally fucking hygienic, right? And then, like, we, they, uh, which character was it? It was a, uh, Julia is listening to a, uh, a radio broadcast where they finally executed Millard after two years of, of, you know, being in jail. So this is two years later after the, the opening of Cadillac Jacks. And they cremated him. And what did they do? They sent his ashes to his mother. So as we all know, that's how things start. Which Those weren't gingerbread cookies. Huh? Like, did they just know that she would like randomly use that gingerbread mix? Like, did they know she ne- was like awaiting a gingerbread delivery? And yeah, was, I guess that's what you're supposed to believe. You know, the suspension of disbelief. Was the blood important in that whole aspect of resurrecting him? Like, was that, that just makes me think, like, was that the mom's whole evil plan? She's like, I'm going to let him get resurrected as a cookie. I, I, that's what I totally believe that the mom's evil plan was because, but, you know, she had to make sure that somebody would randomly, you know, bleed into it and mix yeah, the blood I mean, into they, it. Is the blood in, an important aspect? And if so, how could they guarantee that they were going to, someone was going to get injured and bleed into the, the ashes slash gingerbread? <laughs> they didn't, they didn't know. Well, they did. You know how? Because <laughs> it was wrote in the script. <laughs> Just like because, it was wrote into the script that somebody would bump into the, uh, the electrical box and an electrical charge into the big blast the oven. Mo- the most powerful, like CGI electricity bolt humanly possible. I love, I love like freeform electricity when the like electricity like shoots around in movies. It always looks so fascinating and stupid to me. Yeah, it, it looks like nothing out of reality. Nothing out of yeah, reality whatsoever. Like, shoot electricity out of their fingers and shit like that. I love stupid stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> like, it- 
they 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 made 2005 look like 1988 all over again, didn't they? <laughs> it was like some deadly friend type shit going off in there. That I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but then we get the introduction of my next favorite character is Mom Betty Lee, played by Margaret Bly. I I have to say, you know, for uh, a drunk old lady, you know. Swigging down a bottle of Jack with that shotgun out in front of the building, drunk shooting. Um, you know, she's a hell of a shot. She manages to take down a uh, a banner <laughs> with three well-placed shotgun blasts that nobody in the city, you know, reported. How did that not damage the building? Or <laughs> something? Because later on, when Jimmy Dean shows up, he's like complaining about you know replacing you know like the replacing the banner, and it's like, well, shouldn't your building have incurred like damage from being shot by a shotgun multiple times too? But okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the, the suspension of disbelief, right? <laughs> Maybe she was just shooting rock salt, and it was enough to, to shoot off the rubber bands that were holding up the banner. I don't know. <laughs> They were not she, well, that's for sure. But you know, and it's funny because you know he's trying to Larry Cedar that plays uh, Jimmy Dean. He's a great. He's a fucking national treasure with well over two hundred credits. I mean, he's been in everything from American Horror Story, Bud the Chud, Chud Two, Deadwood. <laughs> yeah, he's Larry, been, incredible. And he and he does he does count as being a Full Moon alumni because what else was he in? He was the manager at Chunky Chicken. That's right. He was the, ch- the Chunky Chicken manager in Demonic Toys, wasn't he? Yep. So, ah, um, that's right. Another, yeah, so another he, he counts as alumni. And a- another food service manager <laughs> type role. So maybe, maybe it was actually the same character, or maybe it was his brother, and he just got from shilling Chunky Chicken to shilling baked goods. That would be an interesting twist. I'm sure that, well, yeah, we know all these things technically take place in the same universe, so it's very plausible. <laughs> I deem it so, just by just because we said it out loud and put it into the ether, I, I believe it is canon. There we go. But I, I like the fact is he's supposed to be like the Starbucks coming in and like taking over the little coffee shop, so to speak. But his business doesn't look, his building doesn't look any more less or more or less of a ramshackle put together bakery than uh sarah lee's it doesn't <laughs> i mean it just says bakery out in front of it that's it just not yeah. even a name just bakery yeah i love like the the very generically just sort of like hand hand painted signs and stuff and his building's as big a yeah it's as big a dump looking like construct as what hers is but he does they do say that his business will be up and running full steam in like a year or something so maybe they're gonna like maybe renovate that building and make it look super swank by the same time next year but i don't i don't believe that this guy has the money to do that because uh, if it's gonna take him a year to do it and he's already bought the building he can't be that well off <laughs> he just can't <laughs> be. It'd be it'd be different if he said in a week or a month but in a year like really What's your business model? Do you have a business model? Do you have a business plan? I don't think so. But he does have it. Does have a a crazy daughter, Lorna Dean. Oh, she is she is nuts in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Alexia Ailman. I 
I don't think I've really hated a, a character much more than I've hated her in a full moon movie. I, I, I probably could think of one, but at the moment I can't. She is just so mean. She's definitely <laughs> a character that is very much a product of the mean girls era of like just completely brainless, stupid, vapid, hot, blonde bitch. Yeah. 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 She's definitely a byproduct of that. There's nothing else going on there other than just like stuck up bitch. <laughs> well, and she's basically there just to be mean to Sarah and to be mean to her boyfriend, uh, Amos. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that's just what she's there for. Well, that and to try to sabotage the business because she does, uh, after she gets introduced, she does come back to plant a rat. A literal rat, not not like I'm gonna like snitch on you, rat, but to plant a little, little furry rat in uh, just, just one, just one, not a bunch of them, not to infest the place, just one. You think you'd <laughs> want to at least put two, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think you would at least put two? I mean, it would make more sense, but you know, put a male and a female in there so they breed. You know, maybe make a bunch of baby rats and infest the place. I don't know. It'd be like going to play, say you were gonna put a roach in somebody's business, you know, you're going to put roaches in, you just put one. I don't know. This doesn't seem like a great plan, but, you know, these are pretty low-rent people anyway. <laughs> the first real note I have about any kind of character or whatnot of this movie is Brick constantly trying to hit on Robin Sidney's character, Sarah. He has absolutely no game because he just tr- is trying to get her to go to the Palooza. He's got two tickets and they're going to let amateurs just show up and go get in the ring and he's going to show him what the butcher baker is made of. And for all his bravado, man, he's, he, he has no game. And this is coming from a guy. I have to say myself, I have no game whatsoever. I never had any kind of game. And this guy has less game than me. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am. I will never understand in the long run. I mean, obviously I'm just kind of jumping the gun here, but like, what Sarah ends up seeing in Amos over Brick, I will never understand. <laughs> so, yeah. bad boy syndrome. I I guess, and even uh, then, doesn't really seem like that much of a bad boy because, like, both him and Lorna both have the have this visual vibe of they are so early two thousands looking to me like do you know what i mean by that yeah like their look is very dated yeah it's just yeah like the way she dresses her hair the big the big forehead you know design with (laughs) the sort of drawn on eyebrows and like him with that fucking eyebrow ring and stuff and i'm like and he doesn't even seem much of a bad boy he just seems like the kid that like looks like he's Trying to be a bad boy? Yeah, like he's like role playing as a bad boy. Like, you know, like. He's cosplaying as a bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) He's like pretending like he's like from like the outsiders or something, but he really like couldn't cut the mustard as being like one of those guys. Especially somebody. See what happened. Somebody had once said to him in his life, stay golden, pony boy. And he took it literally. Yeah. And to me, the eyebrow ring is what really throws off the idea of him being like bad boy material because I don't think <laughs> having like weird like facial piercings like that. I don't know. So they don't. I don't. I don't 
understand, you know, no offense to the actor or anything, but like, I just, oh, don't he's understand. a fine actor. He plays the role very well. It's just the character. I itself is... From like a character standpoint, why she would be so much more drawn to Amos over brick because brick is far more of an interesting and engaging and uh, friendly like character <laughs> like, right yeah i mean let's I, uh, let, not forget i mean uh, amos and lorna are there to sabotage her business so the fact that she would fall for him anyway just leads to all sorts of fucking questions right there yeah, it, yeah. speaking of, of big qu- questions i have why if, if she's made she makes that whole big batch of dough that takes forever takes the first 15 20 minutes of the movie to make a batch of dough she makes the world's largest fucking cookie cutter. Like yeah, takes I, out I'm that. Glad you brought that up because that cookie cutter makes the biggest fucking gingerbread man humanly possible. Like, and for all that, she only makes like the one fucking cookie too. She right, just right. Cut, like. She just cuts it right out of the center and does nothing with the rest of the dough. Doesn't try to make some smaller cookies. Didn't try to make any extra cookies. Makes one. It's like no wonder their business is failing if she's cooking them like one cookie at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe who who knows what she's charging for that cookie? Who knows? Yeah, and I'm thinking too. Watching it again, like like this is obviously like maybe a night shift. Are they like working overnight? Like why are there so many? Like, there's so much staff there, like, overnight making. making Maybe that's why they're losing so much business. They have way too much overhead. I mean, and maybe mom's not really, like, working per se, but, like, she's there. The the other girl whose character name escapes me. Oh, Julia. Julia's there. Freaking Brick was there until she sends him away. Like, there's so many people. Like, do they do you work overnight in a bakery to make stuff for the morning? No, uh, I wouldn't think so. I worked for a short time in in a deli slash bakery, and we we would get there early in the morning to do all the baking beforehand. I mean, I guess if depending on what their hours ran, it just it logistically doesn't make sense. I've never known there to be a night shift at, at a little mom and pop bakery place yeah, so that, that aspect is just kind of bizarre to me i'm like why are all these people in this like business after hours because they're not open <laughs> for this like, no because no one no, no one's manning a counter or dealing with like a customer aspect they're just like there <laughs> <laughs> once so, again like i often say because it was wrote in the script that way and if you look at it too like how, how when it was still daylight when we'll say Mrs. Findelmeyer dropped off the gingerbread mix. So, like, how fucking long are they in this place? (laughs) (laughs) Long fucking time. They were there for hours. It's really bright then, but then, like, when she has her run-in with Jimmy Dean, like, it's dark. Yeah, when she has the the run-in with Jimmy Dean after, you know, Grandma or Mom, you know, shoots down the banner, it's it's, all of a sudden, it's it's nighttime. Because he pulls up. Good passage of time between those two moments. I, I, I feel like it. Like, but storytelling wise, it doesn't really feel like there is. It's just one of those situations where it's like it's day, then it's blatantly night. So we could always ask Ed Wood on that. <laughs> <laughs> night to day to night again. You know, yep. continuity, schmontimuity. 
but one cat fight, one cat fight later between Lorna Dean and, and our, our Sarah Lee, and one fuse box mishap later, we have a ginger dead man reborn. And uh, you know, by the power of the Doe gods, he's he's back and with a vengeance. <laughs> I love when they see him in his first line. It, the, the movie does have some great one-liners that are all. Baked goods, uh, you know, inspired. And he's like, well, it, it sure ain't the fucking Pillsbury Doughboy. And it's like, nah, I see what you did there. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm there for it. I'm, I'm. I'm there for campy dialogue every step of the way. And really, you know, uh, Amos' character, played by Ryan Locke, he's really, he, he doesn't really need to be there. He, the, the, whole, the whole idea of him even being there is kind of pointless. He's really... Did he really accompany her to come there to sabotage Sarah Lee's business? Like to drop, he, yeah, to drop off one rad in the building. He, she needed a driver for that. Yeah, like, like, did he know she was? He was, she was going to do that. Like, man, I'm, if he did, that makes him that much more of an asshole. Yeah, um, it, I, which again raises the question of why Sarah was into him. This seemed to me like the guy to go for would have been Brick, but it wasn't wrote in the script that way. I guess. Oh. <laughs> Oh, then oh, what, what Julia brings back, um, she went to take mom home because she was drunk, you know, to let her go sleep it off. She comes back, and this is where I made a note, like, this is the most underlit bakery I've ever seen. Everything is so dark. The The movie itself is very, very dark and very underlit. I don't know if that was an aesthetic they literally went for, but it just doesn't... I mean, maybe it's just, you know, again, it's a horror movie we, you know, or a horror comedy. We got to have things dark because something could be lurking in the corners and whatnot. But it just seems to me like the bakery was underlit. You know, what they were spending an overhead for uh, crew, they they could have, like, spent the money to turn on a couple lights in the building. Just saying. And no no slide on John, John Carl Becor either. But sometimes, like, you know, dark settings and things can hide imperfections or you know in in some cases uh bad effects yeah i guess it's good and, and the effects you know and generally when they're there are pretty good yeah the ginger yeah. dead himself in this one is actually not not a bad effect he looks he looks pretty good all things considered he's definitely probably some of his most he's his most articulate i feel like in the first movie Yes, I, I would agree with you there. But uh, good old Ginger Dead Man uh, cuts off a couple of uh, Mama Lee's fingers, and again, he's got another pun. You want to try a lady finger? It's it's just, it's so campy. It's so good. I love it. And literally, as I had a, a note here, it says, out goes the lights for Julia when uh, Ginger Dead Man kn- knocks her out. And then literally, he knocks out the power, so the lights literally go out. Yep. And it, it's really weird how here how they make the segue between uh, Amos being Lorna's, you know, dude. And, you know, but he leaves with Sarah to go find out how to turn the lights back 
on and how to get the power going back on while Lorna's just kind of left to her own devices. And we get a really long scene of really useless dialogue between Sarah and Amos that just slows things down to a grinding halt for a few minutes. I mean, it doesn't slow the whole movie down, but like the, the dialogue between them is like, why we didn't need a budding romance between her and this guy. It's really had no point in the movie. I'd say that, you know, usually in a movie like this, there's some, a lot of these characters would just exist to die. But this movie, other than the, the opening scene, which, you know, has a couple brief kills, like, you know, three of them. um, There's not really a lot of killing and like the ginger dead man doesn't kill barely anyone. So like, he's not there as a body count. Did you? He's literally there just to like be that generic love interest that the movie really doesn't need. And, and I was thinking about it too. when I rewatched it. Cause I'm like, you know, Sarah Lee would later reappear in the, you know, ginger dead man versus evil bong, but mm-hmm. Amos doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so he's just gone. I guess uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't a fairy tale romance after all because it obviously didn't last. So yeah, it didn't last. It, it, you know, he got uh, how they say where they nuked the fridge. That's what <laughs> happened. To, that's what happened to Amos. He got nuked. Yeah, but uh, and it's and the the do we do get a, a little bit more of Jimmy Dean? Uh, his daughter Lorna calls him to say, "Hey, you know, there's some baked goods trying to kill us." And of course, he he rushes right there. But the 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 death scene is sort of awkward. You could tell they didn't really have the money to pin him up against the wall with that car. But like, I love, but I love the fact that the ginger dead man is driving his car and using a rolling pin to to press down on the gas pedal. Yeah. It's so fucking ridiculous. It's past ridiculous. It's that redonkulous. But I love it. it. It's 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 fucking laugh out loud funny. funny. But it's an awkward death scene. And then followed by something even more ridiculous. We get uh, the Julie character is now in the freezer as a human ice cream sundae covered in whipped cream complete with cherries for her nipples. <laughs> I, I, again... Completely ridiculous, but I'm all there for it. Yeah, I, I want to see those in between scenes, like how, like how did he get her in there, and like how did he like cover her over with all that whipped cream and stuff? <laughs> I want to see the shot of him gently placing the maraschino cherries where her nipples should be. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> and, and a, a little, a little cookie man, but you know, it's, you know. <laughs> We got what we got. We didn't get that scene. You know, the, the the idea that it might be out there somewhere, probably it doesn't exist. But in my mind, it does. So that's all that matters. But the funny thing is, when you get, like, you know, Lorna, <clears throat> you know, Amos and, 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 and Sydney or, or Sarah, you know, are all, you know, they know there's a killer cookie going around. They've seen him. And, you know, for the longest time, Amos is like, oh, it's a prank. It was probably that, you know, that brick guy. He's weird, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's like, it's a prank. It's a pretty elaborate prank if you made a talking fucking two foot tall cookie. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. yeah it doesn't, them thinking that it's a brick makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Like, it just goes to show how dumb some of these, some characters are in movies. Like, right, right. 
But what's it's equally dumb, they don't seem at all bothered by what's going on. They seem very calm. They, you know, it, let's just say in, you know, like, I know this is going for a stretch here, but in reality, you were being chased by a killer bait good. The fact that something like... You just leave the fucking bakery. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, you just, you, you just leave or you at least react accordingly. You don't just kind of like... Oh, ho hum! While we're you know, there's a killer cookie running around that's stuffed my mother into the oven and baked her half to death, and uh, you know, they put my friend in the freezer and turned it into an ice cream sundae. Let's have a talk about love and life and have a you know a nice little discussion about that. It just it just seems like they're all very calm about the, the goings on. I would be a little bit more freaked out. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, they aren't really they aren't really too shook at the idea of being like chased by a killer cookie and are pretty moron to think that brick just magically whipped up like a talking cookie act like if that was the case i'd be like yo do you need a manager like we're gonna go on tour <laughs> you're gonna make me a lot of money with your talking cookie <laughs> you know they, they make uh, i think it's uh amos that has the line he's like we're gonna capture this thing and take it on leno and letterman that's what I'd be doing with Brick. Like, if he with this was just a prank, if he could pull something like that off, t- take that show on the road, son. But uh, I, I do love, I do so love when uh, old Ginger Dead Man attacks Lorna and slices her face open. And how about a facial? Because <laughs> it's something funny about Gary Busey voicing a, a gingerbread killer, gingerbread man. And spouting off one-liners like that. This is every bit as ridiculous, folks, as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> but it's great. Speaking of ridiculous, the the little cut scene, I wanted more of this scene. I wanted so much more of this scene that comes up where there's the rat comes back. The rat mm-hmm. that Lorna, you know, uh, planted there. And Ginger Dead Man is trying to... I don't know, get his goat, and he's, like, cursing at him and yelling at him and, like, poking at him with the knife. I wanted to see the rat and the ginger dead man have a showdown. That's the the scene we didn't get that I wanted. (laughs) Ginger dead man versus Ben. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, one of the few only other death scenes besides uh, the ones at the, the opening, Lorna gets taken out by a trap that really doesn't quite make sense logistically how it happens. I don't understand tri- what happens. Because half of it happens off camera. She trips over uh, you know, a, a trip line. She turns around. It cuts to something else and then cuts back and she has a knife in, in, embedded yeah, to the handle in the middle of her head. Literally embedded straight through her forehead, which would take some severe force to do... <laughs> Yeah, unless you're Arnold Schwarzenegger or The Rock, you're not going to be able to. You know, just saying, the same folks, not going to happen. But I won't great... lie, she died though. <laughs> What's that? I won't lie, I was glad she died. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, I was glad as well because uh, her character, who like I said, Mean Girl all the way. Characters like that just exist as body count digits to me in movies like this. You're just waiting for them to go away. <laughs> like, yeah, you would th- think they would have had a more of a body count, but you know what body count we get? At least the uh, I was going to say at least a couple of the people who die are the right ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's funny because in Ginger Dead Man form, he only kills 
two people. Yeah, I was going to say he kills about uh, he kills actually less people than he d- does in Ginger Den Man form than he does in human form. Yeah, which is sad because I always like a, a good comparison point to me is, is it's like you know you watch Jason X, so you can see you see him become uber jason at the end you know so you can see him become super jacked like cyborg jason but then what's he do when he becomes uber jason absolutely nothing he doesn't kill a single person (laughs) yeah i mean all he does is fight a cyborg yeah he doesn't kill a single fucking person for the rest of the movie like the other deaths are like incidental or you know accidental shit so i mean like i guess in that respect Ginger Dead Man was more successful at killing people in in his final form than Uber Jason. Ooh, ooh, got to burn just a little bit there for Jason X. <laughs> cut, cut Uber Jason down to size. <laughs> there's a there's a movie crossover we'll we'll never see, but would be interesting. Ginger Dead Man versus Uber Jason. Someone. That'd be something. Someone needed to do it. If that was a fan fiction, and not that I'm really interested in a whole lot of fan fiction, I would read that. I would totally <laughs> read that. I'd be there for that. Ginger Dead Man versus Uber Jason. Yeah, fuck. I might just write it under a pseudonym myself. I'll, I'll write it. Uh, I'll write it under the name Sylvia Saint Croix. <laughs> a seventy-something-year-old filmmaker. <laughs> yep. There you go. This is the point of the movie, though, where I made a note where it's painfully obvious when it's Busey doing the voice and not Busey doing the voice. And not that it matters to to me at all, because, again, it's a movie about a killer psychopathic cookie. You know, you, you got to suspend your disbelief enough to, to accept that. You can accept that Gary Busey wasn't there to voice all the Ginger Dead Man dialogue. But it's OK. It's OK. Because, you know, whether it's, it's Busey or not, you know, when he six mama in that industrial oven, you know, is just an evil fucking cookie. <laughs> yeah. But but when Brick returns, talking about like a character that I, when I first watched this, I didn't expect to make it back. Uh, he shows up in enough time, still in his wrestling outfit, to interrupt the old uh, Ginger Dead Man's killing spree. Because he's got a gun. He's got the gun that he got from uh, he got from Amos, right? Where he got the gun from. That gun, gun does not run out of bullets. He fires, I think, seventeen times with a revolver. Yeah, he he fires off a lot of rounds that would not exist. Yeah, like you know, six max. That's it. And I'm not even so sure that uh, you know. Amos would have been smart enough to have the gun fully loaded. He probably would have had it three or four rounds in there, <laughs> to be quite honest. See, that but, one is a bad boy because he had a gun. Yeah, there you go. And the eyebrow <laughs> ring. The gun and the eyebrow ring brings the ensemble together, right? The eyebrow ring is like the the, the crowning achievement to being hard. Yeah. <laughs> You, you know, because, you know, uh, Joe Exotic has one that automatically makes you a badass, right? <laughs> makes you perfect prison fodder, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that gun, I, I think I count, I tried to count, and I think I counted uh, 17 shots that he fires in the gun. So, I want that yeah. gun. I, I want I a gun like count, that. I, 
I do believe it because it is a, it is a super unrealistic amount. Like you would have needed to reload it like three or four times for as many times. <laughs> now, you know as well as I do, Dustin. I always have a moment where I call it the "what the fuck" moment. Mm-hmm. Every movie has at least one, and this movie has several. But this is the total "what the fuck" moment. Brick comes in to save the day. He pins Ginger Dead Man down to the ground, and he has a plan. Not a very good one, but he has a plan. He bites off Ginger Dead Man's head, wolfs it down, and says, got milk? (laughs) When you forget Ginger Dead Man's classic line, eat me, you punk bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But then then he immediately says a few seconds later, once he realizes what he says, because uh, uh, the dead man goes, no, don't eat me, don't bite me, don't eat me. It, it, right after saying that, <laughs> he realizes mm-hmm. the error of his ways when he's like, oh, he's going to take that literally, not as an insult, but he's going to be, I'm literally going to eat you. I remember yeah. the first time I watched this, he bites off his head, and I'm like, I know what's going to happen here. And we, yeah. and they do not disappoint. He transforms into... Uh, a more human hybrid ginger dead man because he's he kind of looks like when uh when brick trans transforms when uh, sarah comes back to him and he's standing in the dark before he you know he has the reveal that he's made a transformation into ginger dead man because he says something to her he's like calls her cookie and then she has that moment of realization where she's like <gasps> you know but he kind of looks they made brick look like when somebody would uh Become a trancer. I, you know, I was literally going to say he looks like he's been tranced. But yeah. it's it's it actually. I will say though, I think it's it's actually pretty good makeup though. It's better makeup than I think in some of the trancer sequels. Truthfully, because I think that I think oh, the, yeah. brick the makeup's great, really great design with the sunken in eyes, and I love the the bluish tongue and everything. I think it's actually very effective. And Jonathan Chase is a really great actor who you can tell a lot of fun with that character before and especially after the transformation because he's chewing the scenery but not in a not in a like you know it's over the top (laughs) (laughs) see it's it's not over the top but he's chewing the scenery but i don't feel it's like out of control i still feel like it's it's moderately grounded if that makes sense oh yeah totally but the one thing I got a question, you brought up the blue tongue, and I had a note here. I'm like, the transformation comes complete with a blue tongue. Yep. <laughs> don't, don't get it. Never understood it. But then He must have got, got it from all that red jam that squirts out of the ginger dead man's neck stump after he chews his head off. <laughs> it's not, I, I would have get, I would have. Like all that like red slop falls out. <laughs> I would have bought it if it had been blueberry jam. If they had just had it squirt out and been blueberry jam, then it would have made sense that it turned his tongue blue. But maybe, again, maybe you can get like a killer blueberry muffin spinoff movie. Oh god! Oh, don't don't put that into the ether. Somebody's going to do that. Somebody will do that. You put it out there, so it'll be on the interwebs, and now everybody. <laughs> the blueberry muncher. <laughs> I'm sure that's now, on somebody's porn. Now I have to make it because I just put it out there. That's on somebody's Pornhub queue. 
<laughs> blueberry muncher. I'm sure of it. I'm I'm positive of it somewhere. <laughs> Oh, but we're almost at the end of the movie here because they they band together into the oven. They he goes. They put brick into the oven, and you know they 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 bake him quote unquote to death. And as I put here, is this the end of the ginger dead man? Hell no, because this is full moon. And if, if there's ever a thing that I know true to my heart about Charlie is as, as you've said on the show many times. Every show is just a, every show, every movie is just a template for a sequel. Yep. You know, it's, it's just, it's the, it's the, the idea of the, if this makes money and if this is popular and people like it, we're going to make another one. And they made several of them. So this was not the end of uh, the ginger dead man. And it's not quite the end of the movie because we flash forward in time a little bit. They're having a bake sale. They have a couple of nurses. Uh, and once we talked about this a bit off the air, but one of the nurses was played by uh, Deborah Meyer, the late great Deborah Meyer from uh, Blood Dolls, amongst others, and Hell Asylum, and and many others. And uh, you said the other nurse was uh, another Full Moon alumni, uh, Casey Shank. Casey Shank, yep, of Witch House Two and Spec. That's it. That's that's what we were talking about. And so, Deborah and her had been in uh, stitches together as well. And weren't a couple of the um, the 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 customers at the end weren't wasn't one of them or two of them Charlie's sons? Yes, some of the bake sale customers are uh, Zalman Band, Harlan Band. Um, was a Jacqueline Band? I'm not. I'm not familiar offhand with her direct relation but yeah two of two of them were uh charlie's son now miller's mama kind of makes a little cameo even though it's only in spirit because some a little boy comes up and says you have any gingerbread cookies and good old sarah lee is like if there's any one thing that i don't have it's that but Deborah Meyer is nurse number one says, Oh, well, some little old lady, somebody are, came along and dropped this box off and they opened it up and it's filled with ginger dead, or not, not ginger dead man, but gingerbread cookies that all have evil eyes that open up. And that's uh, the end of our movie. Miller's mama dropped off a little something and we never quite here you know there's there's nothing left to that ending you know where there's multiple ginger dead men or anything but it is a nice little pseudo sequel tip off yeah and oh and i have to interject i just looked it up jacqueline band was actually charlie's mother oh okay a wife to the late albert band so yeah it's it's weird because it, it has one of those endings where it's like haha he he lives on i guess in multiple forms you know, they could have done a sequel where they would have had five of him, I guess. That would have been uh, predating, you know, Cult of Chucky approach. But um, that's what I was thinking in my head straight up was uh, Cult of Chucky. Five of them all voiced by the same person. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they didn't go that approach. I guess they could always, you know, people love doing like, you know, reboot sequels or, you know, just direct sequels to specific installments. They could always just do the ginger dead men and do one that picks up after part one and where it's got like all five of the cookies alive. 
but that'll probably never happen because even though we did get two official sequels, they they just seem kind of like uh, I'll compare them to like Ilsa or like even like Leprechaun, where it's like yeah, it's the same character, just kind of on a completely different adventure, probably in like a a, a different like alternate reality or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're all like same characters, but like self-contained. Yeah. It's like not, it's not a direct continuation of the same ginger dead man. I don't think in any of the sequels per se, except for maybe when you hit uh, the versus movie, because that ginger dead man does know Sarah Lee, but I feel like two and three are just sort of like one off re envisioned approaches to him on different adventures that just don't really have any connection or correlation to what happened in this one. So, but we don't need any of that kind of continuity or any of that kind of plot development. We, we we're talking about a killer cookie movie here, right? Yeah. Doesn't care about continuity. <laughs> <laughs> they have never cared about continuity, and that's part of the why I love them. Reason why I love them so much. <laughs> There's no fucks about continuity. Who needs continuity? <laughs> As I always say, continuity schmont moody. With that being said on continuity, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and break this down. Uh, you know how we do things around here when we give our final uh, thoughts and reviews is uh, guests go first and a rating on a scale from one to ten. So, you know, Ginger Dead Man is one of those movies. It's like you say that name. I think everyone's heard of it just because of how, and I say this with love, how stupid the concept is. Yeah, oh, um, it's totally stupid. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's dude, it's like it's a killer cookie. It's about it, and it and it is about as equally ridiculous as what would end up becoming, you know, that coming along a few releases after this with Evil Bong. It's like it's a concept that's so off the wall, left field, that people who don't watch these kinds of movies. They've probably heard of it. So, I mean, it's it's a movie that its infamy sort of is actually larger than the movie itself. Um, And I do think that the first Ginger Dead Man is a pretty fun movie, actually. Uh, It it gave us Robin Sidney. So obviously that's that's one of the key factors for me is is uh, Robin's been a mainstay at Full Moon ever since. And to date, she's actually been in more full moon movies than any other person uh, out there. So, uh, and, you know, it's always great seeing other people like, you know, <laughs> like Larry Cedar and Gary Busey. <laughs> I mean, he's really good in his his brief moment. The uh, full moon had a period during this time frame where they were doing that a lot, where they'd hire a big name and utilize them for a brief brief moment for the film you know like this and uh obviously evil bong one that you starring tommy chong and dead man's <laughs> starring sid haig and michael berryman but like these people are like barely in the movies you know? yeah i call that the bait and switch yeah you pay you pay one absorbent day rate for like a, a day's worth of stuff and you cram it as much as possible and then you pack them throughout the movie you know <laughs> So, which, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a time-honored approach, you know, that's worked for decades. So, uh, but I think Ginger Dead Man is a really fun movie. I, upon this rewatch, it feels very rushed because mm, the yeah. progression of action is breakneck pace, but that 
plays into the idea that there's literally there's less than an hour's worth of actual film to this movie. The credits start rolling at about an hour and 30 something seconds, and that's minus a three minute ish opening credit sequence, which for the record to upon reviewing, I have no recollection of that main theme. (laughs) And I've seen this more times than I can count. I just don't remember it. It doesn't. And not, no slide on the composer, but it just that theme just it it doesn't stick in my memory. I just never remember it. So, but I remember the cookie, and you know, uh, he's become one of Full Moon's you know mainstay uh, top characters, uh, identifiable with Full Moon. And I think this movie did take Full Moon kind of back to more basics, like she's like you said. But at the same time. While doing that, I think that it also created it sort of birthed a precedent for Full Moon where you could watch some of these older movies where it was like puppets and dolls and things killing people, but they were still moderately serious. This one was the one where I think they sort of started to create the public perception that Full Moon is silly and that everything's very feeble. There's this is a not serious concept and it's you know yeah he wants to kill sarah lee yada yada but it's a killer cookie voiced by probably the craziest man in hollywood so (laughs) i think this movie is the one that sort of opened the door to obviously things like the evil bong type stuff and ginger weed man and stuff where it's like these things that would be perceived in the bigger scope as not necessarily serious. Um, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Whereas I feel like general movie going audiences too, who aren't full moon purists like I am, but I think general movie going audiences will look at movies like this and they, I think that they unnecessarily judge full moon based on just movies like this because as for as fun as this movie is this isn't the whole of full moon you know what i mean so that i i find that bothersome but it doesn't take away from the movie i think the movie is really fun um and it it's obviously stood the test of time like we said it got two sequels one that's way better and one that's not (laughs) (laughs) and and, you know and obviously he got his spinoff with you know fighting eb and then he uh in my opinion unfortunately just became permanently married into the evil bong uh plot line and has sorely been shorted getting any more sequels which i would like to see them go back to just a back to basics sequel because it's a strong enough character i think he could just maintain movies of his own um yeah he doesn't need to be relegated to just uh you know crossover movies i think and and i mean over the course of time too and i mean these are more conversations for other episodes obviously but as time has passed too he's become very sanitized too and it's not quite as uh a desirable uh, version of the character is what we get in the the three official films in the in the Ginger Dead Man trilogy. But overall, though, I think he's a great character. Uh, fun effects, like I said, he looks cool. You can't ever go wrong with John Beekor. 
Busey's vocal approach, you know, works for what it's worth. Um, for me, and you know, I'm not usually one to give half points, but I think <laughs> this, for me, I think this movie is a, a, a good 7.5. You're not coming in too far for me. Um, I'm coming in at a six and a half. And, you know, and a lot of people would probably question our, our, our ratings of giving a seven and a half and a six and a half. But you got to go into movies with a certain expectations. You know, if you watch, let's say, for, for instance, a movie like uh, Goodfellas, would you rate that on the same scale as you would rate a movie like Ginger Dead Man? No, they're two totally different kinds of films. You're rating this against, uh, you know, a uh the idea behind it that it's a movie about a killer cookie. You know, there is. Thank. Do you remember? Do you remember the video hound movie guide? That yes. giant Wikipedia book, and in the back they had the reviews. I remember in that they blatantly stated in the in the book. You know, movies are rated on a scale based on the type of film, and you know, like, and they blatantly said terrible. And we're not going to rate this type of movie on the same scale as that type of movie because that's not a fair scale so, right right on their on their own merit <laughs> and yeah, yeah this, i mean maybe this is the good fellows of full moon you know what i mean yeah, yeah but well, i mean it, it, it's um, I, I just threw that out as a, as a general title oh. but you know like oh. you know this uh the whole idea of, of a movie about a killer cookie, you know what you're in for. When you mm-hmm. hear a movie like Ginger Dead Man and you hear the plot synopsis, if you go into it and say, oh, well, that was too silly or that was too dumb, well, then you're, you're not the right type of – you're not the type of person that this movie was meant for. It's a silly movie. It's a dumb movie. It's a crazy movie. But snob, You shouldn't be watching a movie about a talking killer cookie man <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and but you know maybe i'm I mean, i'm coming in a little low at a six and a half but i still highly enjoyed it i think i enjoyed it a little bit more this time around i hadn't watched it for a couple of years you know i, I love it for all its imperfections you know because let's face it it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the the word it, it's it's flawed you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, it 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 uh, was uh, had that feeling like it was a little bit rushed, you know, mm-hmm. with the the running time. But I love it. It's fucking crazy. I remember I I was so excited when I first found this movie back in two thousand five. I think I found it at a Hollywood Video or Family Video at the time, and mm-hmm. my first thought literally was Full Moon's back, yep. you know, and I was all there for it, and I'm still here for it. I I do agree that, you know, even though I love the Evil Bong series and I love Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong, I would love to see another return to form for Ginger Dead Man because he's been sadly absent in the last several years. You know, we got Ginger Weed Man, which is... Which is technically, it's weird to think in the scope of things, Ginger Weed Man being the Ginger Dead Man's son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
we, we need, then, you know, it's kind of like the difference between Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. The ginger weed man is the son of the evil bong and rabbit. That makes it even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking the thought of rabbit having a kid at all is scarier than having ginger dead man having a kid, I yeah, think. Rabbit having a metaphorical child with a demonically possessed talking bong. So, you know. <laughs> You know that, that that's that that kind of full moon I'm talking about. That's what people think full moon is when they when they talk about full moon nowadays. I think, and it's it, those are big parts of full moon, but I don't think that the, it's not full moon as a whole. It's it's not yeah. them as a whole. They 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 made a much more broader scope of things. I mean, we've we've said this before. There's literally. At, at current count, almost 340 movies total. This is just one minor example of an entire like catalog of content. So, I mean, you can't, you can't. Same as you couldn't like compare this to like Castle Freak, <laughs> you know? Oh no. Or you know, I mean, something like From Beyond or, or Reanimator. You know, those are more. Uh, uh, Empire Subs- films, but yeah, subspecies. Like they're they're just they're they're different. Yeah, they're all full moon, but they're different types of full moon. So yeah, it's yeah. like you wouldn't compare this, even though it's about little people, little things killing people. You wouldn't compare this even in the same category as the puppet masters. Yeah. You know, they're it's just true. vastly it's different. True. Because I will, I can gripe about the fact that I feel like there's not enough movie with Ginger Dead Man. Because there's not. I really don't think there is. I don't. I think they could have done more in it. But at the same time, it left me wanting more. I guess maybe it's kind of like eating a good cookie. You know, you don't yeah. want one, or maybe that's <laughs> potato chips. But it works yeah, for me. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of like the Pringles thing. You know, once you pop, you can't stop. Exactly. You need you need more. And a few years, I want to say maybe not. It was more than a few years ago. There was. Good time back. They even, I want to say, had a uh, a title contest for a fourth uh, Ginger Dead Man movie, and I don't remember what one, but they never made it. <laughs> Same as I remember they had a title contest for Uga Booga Two, and uh, that never got made either. So, uh, maybe that's for the better. Uga Booga. Yeah. That is definitely for the better. <laughs> <laughs> Although you, you know, know, you know what Uga Booga didn't have. Cameron, what did it have? It did not have an original theme song at the end by Charles Band, like Ginger Dead Man does. <laughs> it's kind of like like Chuck Norris singing the Walker Texas Rangers theme song. It's it's kind of is the thing in and all of itself. <laughs> I love at the end of this movie that plays during the picture credits. This that's another way this movie gets me is is it's got like it's picture credits are always no matter how good or bad big budget or the movie is picture credits are always class to me so the movie <laughs> fact picture credits and it plays that that ridiculous song like i can't help it i believe is what it's called and i don't know who sings it but it it says by charles band so i'm assuming he wrote the song maybe i i would be fascinated to even comprehend the idea that he performed it i don't believe that but but uh well, know. it definitely wasn't uh, it definitely wasn't Richard Band <laughs> doing this one. No, no, no. Uh, no. Oh, that being said, this has been a fun time. I I, I have to say that this was a, a fun one to cover. 
we were now officially, I think, uh, covered one chapter at least for the beginning of every major full moon franchise, uh, as you said, except probably. Witch House Witch, and Witch House and I, I don't know, Femalian. Maybe. I was just going to say <laughs> Femalian, maybe. Which I, you know, again, you know, if the show goes on long enough, we can keep up the momentum going. We'll cover them all, but I feel like we we've uh, hit a milestone in finally covering the, one of the last of the big uh, franchises. And yeah. as always, it's always been fun. Definitely. Well, I think we'll stick a pin in this one for the evening. I know it's getting pretty late for both of us, and uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of getting the munchies. I think I'm gonna go have myself a cookie or two. Hey, sounds like a good idea. You know what? I brought home cookies last night. I might actually do the same thing, but <laughs> I have sugar cookies, not gingerbread. <laughs> oh, blasphemy. Blasphemy. <laughs> Ma- Millard and Mama would be de- definitely disappointed in you, sir. I'll stick picture <laughs> on you. So. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, folks. Thank you once again for always tuning in to Cinema Degeneration. We appreciate your patronage and you always listening. If you're so inclined, uh, you know, uh, subscribe to our Podbean, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Pandora, iHeart, Apple, iTunes, you name it. We're on them all. Give us a like. Give us a, a rating. Subscribe, like, do all those nice things, and we would greatly appreciate it. And I want to thank you, Dustin, for taking time out of your schedule once again to do this crazy show with me. There's nobody else that I would rather uh, go down this road with. Likewise, it's always fun, especially when we can pull something out of the oven as tasty as this. (laughs) Right on, right on. Well, folks, we bid you a fond farewell and go into those stash of gingerbread cookies. But beware, you never know which one's going to bite back. Me. Hey, you little shit. Fuck off.